You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Ellis of Locked On Indians. I'm going to do the typical introduction in a second with the guest I'm having on today. I just wanted to say at the outset here, uh, I had a great talk with Pat. You'll get to hear more from him uh, in a bit. Make sure to go check him out um, at tangible underscore uno. But this was, we talked for legitimately about 20 minutes beforehand, before recording, and probably an hour after recording. So we do have an hour of recording here. And I had previously mentioned that maybe on Friday I would pull out that bit that... uh, from my uh, interview with Justin Lotta before he had technical difficulties. So how this is going to shape up over the next few days is the next two days will be uh, discussions with Pat and myself. And then I think Monday, I'll still have a little bit more of that discussion with Pat. And then the second half of that show will be my discussion with Justin. The big thing network is stressing is to keep these shows at under 35 minutes. So I'm going to be cutting and pasting with the thought process of keeping the show overall down into that correct window, while also making sure that the conversation flows properly. So I just wanted to give that heads up ahead of time uh, that, you know, we're aiming for a certain window. This is a great conversation. Um, Pat and I go all over the place. (laughs) I, I hit him with kind of the basic stuff and we talk about some things and then it's like, I'll hit him with a basic question and then we just, we'll build off each other going back and forth and go all over the place. Uh, all great things, all relating to baseball. Uh, without further ado, I'm going to now thread in that audio where I give you another introduction, so I apologize. Thank you all for listening, and uh, you know we'll do the typical end talk at the end. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Thursday edition of, uh, I almost said it needs baseball insider of Lockdown Indians. Uh, my name is Jeff Ellis. I did write, I got my start at Indians Baseball Insider and before going to Scout and 24-7. My guest today is uh, does some writing for Indians Baseball Insider, or will be, I should say, uh, has done some work over at Baseball Prospectus. Uh, I've really enjoyed his work. Uh, at first, it started popping up when I was reading it, and I'm like, oh, I have to read more because uh, I'm trying to, I can't remember the exact one, but there was a particular piece where I'm like, this is everything. If I had the ability to write, I would have written, but probably a little smoother. Uh, and our guest today is Pat Ellington. So thanks for coming on and joining me to talk all things Indians for today's show. Um, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, I've said this to you before, but this has really come full circle for me. I, I went back and looked today um, on my Apple Pod account, and I started listening to your podcast when you were on the the 30th episode, I think, of doing Locked On Indians a couple of years ago. And for me, the way you talk about the game and cover the game, and not just that, but Indians history as well, because um, you're older than me, you have more context with minor league patterns that the organization has and other teams have when it comes to drafting as well. I've learned a lot and it helped me elevate in order to get to this point. Um, I've only been writing about baseball for about a calendar year, and I've, I've only been gaining traction since about maybe late December of, of, of last year. Um, that's kind of when everything really started moving forward for me. 
And it's been wonderful. And, and without you, I wouldn't have been at this point. So thank you. And thank you for having me. And just as a quick thing, if you're out there, the uh, if you want to follow Pat, which I recommend, I follow him at tangible underscore uno, T-A-N-G-I-B-L-E underscore U-N-O. And like I said, well worth the follow. So go uh, add him to your Indians lists. So we have a bit of news today. So that probably makes the most sense to, to lean in with. The Brian Shaw edition, not a surprise, likely going to mean Cam Hill to the 60-day disabled list. What are your general feelings on Shaw? Do you think there is anything left? Is this is this more front office, more Tito's doing? Um, I, I know the velocity's been up, but it's still a, a situation. It, it's an odd addition after what we've seen where he's pretty much been completely ineffective from the moment he left Cleveland. So for me, I feel like Brian Shaw, first of all, was very underappreciated and over-criticized in his first stint with the team. Agree 100%. And I feel like the the walk, the, the double to Ben Zobers he gave up to, in, the, in, in game seven of the World Series, sorry to open, sorry to open old wounds, but um, that really compounded it and made him a scapegoat. And then, I mean, from the casual stamp, stamp from the casual fan standpoint, I get it, but um, there were so many more factors in, in, in that, at, at, that, that led to that happening. But for me, um, it could be worse. Um, we've seen the organization give guys with worse track records or lesser track records um, opportunities. Um, uh, during the Tito Francona era, we've seen the bias towards quad A guys and guys that are that are French major leaguers. Jeff Manships um, of the world. It's the first name that comes to mind. I know we've had a, or Atch, Scott Atchison. Uh, those guys who seem to find that final act, right? Like it's, it, right. it's only for one year. They, the Indians hope the magic's going to stay, but they, they have had a weird track record of success with that one year. And for me, um, this is my frequent great with the organization in Tito Fracona area. It's not them adding fringe guys, but it's more so the fringe guys getting time over interesting young guys that have upside and and viable traits and tools that can translate to major league success. And while we've seen that a lot more on the player position side and the pitching side of the other deal, when we're specifically looking at relievers, the organization has not really been good at developing relievers until a couple of years ago, maybe, or even last year, technically. Um, now, Cody Allen was probably the, the last great reliever that they drafted and developed. Um, I'm 22, so my I really can't recall. My my, my recollection is as large as yours from a standpoint of being able to break everything down from baseball knowledge. But um, no, they're categorically bad at it. You're 100% right. I'm going to take a moment and interrupt this great conversation to have a quick sponsor break about rockauto.com. I know nothing about cars, but Rock Auto makes it easy to find parts for my car. And as I always say on these ads, Rock Auto is a great tool to make sure that when you go to get a part or piece for your car or you get something fixed to make sure you are getting a good deal. And if the place you're going is not giving you a good deal, you shouldn't go there. I mean, I guess that's pretty elementary. 
it by going to rockauto.com and letting them, when you do buy a piece there, make sure that you type locked on, locked on MLB, locked on Indian, some form of locked on in the how to hear about us box. Because that lets them know that they're spending their advertising money in the right places, in a place where people are going to go to their site. Check it out. Easy to navigate, easy to use. RockAuto.com. All the parts you could ever need at fantastic prices. And while I got you, go check out Lockdown Today with Peter Bukowski. All the news you need in a quick 20-minute podcast. Locked on Today. Get it wherever you get podcasts. I think before him, Rafael Perez, Rafi Lefty, and then... Like I said, the, the thing I always go back to, and this is probably from before your time, is like David Risky was kind of the classic, almost like a Nick Wetgren, Whitgren uh, from his time. And he is top five all time in war amongst Indians draft and or signed and developed relievers. So that says so much, I think. Yeah, that really spells it out. Yeah. But when you have guys like we've seen Karen Shot come up, um, Kyle Nelson made his debut last year and he was featured in spring training heavily this year. And I think he should get opportunity sometime this year. Um, we saw Nick Salmon kind of flash through the system and get delayed by that forearm injury. We have Robert Broom. And another facet of that is how the organization has kind of cornered the market on side armors and guys with weird angles and they kind of experimented with that with Adam Stember and didn't really work out with him, but they kind of stepped to it when they added Nick Sandlin and Robert Broome at the same time. Um, and that's a very interesting organizational thing as well as we seem to try to figure out how to win at the margins. Um, we have Nick Mikulaja at Contra Gattis in the system right now who are kind of in lower minors, but are kind of making noise for the, for the relievers down there as well. Yeah, it's, it is nice that they have that for once. No more of those um, trades. Like there have been some poor trades or just the, even, I mean, when they traded for Mark uh, Reykjavik, or I'm going to butcher his name. So let's just call him Scrabble, his nickname. But he was like league average at best, but they went for it because they had no other options. It's nice this team is finally developing options mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll see some of them. I'm still of the camp and I understand I totally understand why Eli Morgan is still a starter because honestly, like starters can get by with more marginal stuff than relievers. Relievers need to have like stronger pitches and Morgan's fastball is probably, you know, like a 40 grade pitch or a 45 grade pitch. But I still think that change might be enough. And uh, he's, he's the other guy kind of up there with Sandlin and Broom that I'm, I'm hoping I would just like to see him work out of the pen. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. And again, you'll hear most places like, Oh, fail as a starter, put him in the bullpen. And I've been guilty of saying that myself, but honestly, the bullpen as a reliever, you have to have sharper pitches. You can have closer to average or below average stuff as a starter. Uh, And and that's why I think we're seeing teams move to the opener where it's more that idea of having someone come out who's really sharp, shutting teams down, and then maybe putting in uh, an arm who's closer to league average. But I, I still think with Morgan, I wonder about someone like Moss, where I don't know if he's ever going to get a chance as a starter. And I agree with you, though. Like, my concern is always going to be building up. There's, I know last season, and you and I were talking about this before we went on the air, last season was such a loss of developmental time and of le- a chance to learn knowledge. But they've got, a bat, they're bat, so backed up amongst pitchers and infielders that it's, uh, this year is almost equal parts uh, 
trying to sneak into a wild card and then just trying to figure out what they have. Uh, Speaking of what they have, first base situation, uh, the, I would say, the hottest of places to talk about on Twitter. Uh, People get very entrenched and angry about a pair of players who are both likely to project as below average bats. What's your take there? I've been very much of the of the take that like I just wish they would have put Naylor there and moved on. But I think, you know, it, we'll see where it goes. But like, where would you go with first base? What do you think about the, you know, uh, Bowers and Bradley? And the, we don't have to get into me ranting at spring training again, but just uh, that position and those two guys and even Naylor. And, you know, what do you think maybe in a year? Is it any of those guys? Do they move something around? Do they see if like Fran Mill can pick up first base in winter ball, something they, they just didn't have an opportunity to do this past year? So on January 8th, I wrote an article titled 2021 and each predictions regaining power to use where I had to tweet about my opening day lineup. And at first base, I had Josh Naylor. And this was on the day after the Lindor trade, because I thought it was going to be Andre Jimenez at shortstop and Amir Rosario at second, because it was before they signed, just before they made any free agency moves of adding Cesar Hernandez and Rosario. So we were on the same page. Um, first base is Josh Nail's original position, and that's probably the position where he is not a, a complete butcher, even though we've seen the work ethic in him trying to improve in the outfield and him losing weight and gaining some foot speed also. Um, also, I really like Josh Nader's makeup as well. Um, I feel like he's really going to wind up being a leader of the team. Um, the bat, I feel like he has a better bat of all three options, and he's a left-handed bat. Um, his strikeout rates in the minors were actually pretty good when you look at him. They really sat between 10 and 18%, um, which is very encouraging considering his raw power, um, although he didn't really tap into that raw power all the time. And while, and he also showed the ability to take walks just as well as Jake Bowers. And Jake Bowers, that's his main strength. And then Naylor offers more raw power. So Naylor was my initial option. But with them, with them putting him in the right field, um, I mean, they're, they're trying to get as much offense as they can. That, that seems to be what they're worried about with doing that. Um, so they can see what they can get out of Jake Bowers and Bradley. In a while, I'm kind of low on them. I understand the pedigree with Bowers. You want to see if he can do anything, even though they gave him a lot of at-bats in 2019 and he didn't do much. And they didn't really like how he worked throughout the season uh, with his routine and stuff, which is very telling in itself that they were very open about that with the press and didn't really keep that internal. And with Bobby Bradley, Swinging issues are there. When you strike out 30% of the time at AAA, that's a big red flag for anybody. Um, and while he has more than enough power to be a competent first baseman, is he going to make enough contact, effective contact to, to bring that power, to make that power um, tangible at the major league level? Yeah, as you're talking at that, uh... It struck me that, like, uh, in many ways, Naylor is kind of the the middle point of those two players in a good way. Yes. Like maybe not quite the power of Bobby Bradley, but 
I mean, at the same time, he was drafted as a power hitting first baseman when he went. I think people don't even, you know, it's the baseball draft. I understand. He was 12th overall. 12th overall. Yeah, that's the thing I was was going for. It's like he was a high pick. Now, admittedly, that was kind of a bit of a surprise selection. Like he was not widely viewed there, but he was, I mean, there, there were reasons why he went that high. He was a top prospect at a candidate that year, I think. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And 5'11, I'm looking at his baseball savant page, 5'11, 250. I don't know if any of that's correct, but sprint speed score of 34 in 2019 and 52 last year. So you can just talk. I mean, you talked about the conditioning. I think you see it even there and just the improvement and how he's running. Yeah, and I went up to ITIS. I haven't even looked at his baseball savant page in a while. Yeah, so but I mean, it just speaks to what you're saying about the improved conditioning, and that's the only data that's on there because he just hasn't played enough. But yeah, it's it is, I, you know, I'm struggling for words, but it's one of those things where first base is supposed to be easy, and for the Indians, it hasn't been. That's why they had to go out and trade for Carlos Santana and add him back in, and it's Bobby Bradley. Sometimes I wonder how much of his profile is based off of that triple crown in the rookie league. I mean, he's a great power hitter, but is there any tool besides power that's even average? And I'm not sure that that's a yes. I agree. And I think that's, that's the holdup. I mean, if he could get to the power, he's great, but there's, again, this will be, I mean, this is a player that was before my time, so maybe before your time as well. But uh, when I was first getting into prospects, like the big, not a lot of fan bases had prospect sites. The Red Sox had their sons of Sam Horn. So then I learned about Sam Horn. I, I feel like I'm sure there's people out there of a certain generation who appreciate that reference. But you know, he ended up going to Korea or not Korea, Japan. And if he didn't become the home run king, he might have set a single season record. Like, I, I don't want to immediately say Bobby Bradley can't play in the majors, but I do wonder if he's that guy that's more of the just fringe enough that he could be a star somewhere else at some point down the road. All of life is a little bit of a gamble, right? If you're someone who wants to go out and gamble, if sports betting or just, you know, poker, or maybe it's not even sports, maybe it's reality TV award shows or like all of that is on bet online. Uh, if it is something you can gamble on, you will find it there. They have lines on virtually everything. We've gone over some of those lines at points during the year. And remember that when you go to bet online, you want to use the promo code locked on to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. 50%. That's the highest bonus I'll talk about on anyone this year. But the only place you're going to get that is with betonline.ag. They are the place to go. I, I, I Much like when I mentioned Brock Auto, I don't know cars. I don't really know gambling, but I'm able to kind of go through and navigate the site. It's an easy to navigate lots of information and I don't know I find it interesting just kind of looking at the lines and figuring out through that uh, additional data when it comes to trying to figure out how the world perceives the Indians in particular for this podcast and how the world is kind of viewing certain players go check it out for yourself and remember to use that promo code locked on built bar we are in the enticing eight is what we learned yesterday when I sat and did the look you know, I love Bilt Bar. Sitting right next to my box full of Bilt Bar. If I reach in here, I've got my little container with the uh, savory goodness chicken bone broth. Haven't tried it yet, gotta be honest. But I did buy that. I've got some cookies and cream. Let's see what else we got here. We got the uh, Strat Raspberry Cheesecake. 
I've got another one of the birthday cake with sprinkles. It's all good. It is my favorite bar. After a year, the fact that I am not tired, I get tired of everything, but I am not tired of Built Bar. It's that good. It is something you cannot get tired of. You're going to continually want to get more. And they're always doing new flavors. They're delicious and enticing and make you want to order more. Coconut puff versus mint brownie. I like mint brownie, but the puffs are maybe the best bar. Uh, it's got like a marshmallowy thing to them while still being good for you. And I love marshmallows. I love coconut. Uh, both of those things combined. Coconut puff is the one for me. And as I pointed out earlier, uh, in the Sweet 16, there was like four different coconut flavors. So you know they do it well. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your order on whatever you order at Built Bar. Yeah, um, and for me, with, with Bobby Bradley, is mostly the, the lack of recognition for breaking balls and spin, um, mostly. And as we, we've seen now, we've seen a huge jump in players and pitchers going through the secondary pitches um, over the last five years. And for me, I'm 22 years old. Most of my baseball fandom has been during the pitch revolution we saw during the 2010s, and that's continuing to now. So the norms for the game are changing, but I don't think the evaluation is all the way caught up yet, in a sense, when it comes to judging these things, because we, we've seen – it's a cat and mouse game where the pitchers are ahead, but we've seen pitchers take an astronomical jump lately, and we've seen hitters – had to focus on uh, three true, three true, three true outcomes, just to kind of combat that. Yeah, it's, and that's I, I'm always when I look at that, I wonder with, with the pitching revolution, and then I just wonder how much comes from changes and how how smarter baseball gets. It is interesting how often we see attempts at rule changes and getting rid of something like the shift or other approaches like that that are trying to make the game less intelligent. Um, but it's, you know, you could go back to the Moneyball era and talk about that realizing that walks were important. It, it seems silly to say that now, but I, I mean, it's legitimate. There's players that would be, start, you know, I know there's Carlos been, Santana. you know, Carlos Santana probably would not have got the opportunity 10 to 15 years ago. Like he would not have been viewed as well because he didn't hit 30 home runs until near, you know, what, two, maybe three times in his career. And he didn't have the high average. And it's, I bring up Russell Brandian and I know there's been some off the field stuff since he got out of baseball, but it's just the example that comes to mind as an Indians fan where he was someone who mesmerized me by looking at minor league box scores because he hit 40 home runs and a ball, which I still don't know if I've ever seen anyone do that. And he walked. I think Javi Baez did that one year. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's it it is interesting just the percep perception. It's like Nolan Jones. You know, I, he is gonna he's gonna struggle with contact, but I believe in the walk rate and the power. But a few years ago, he's a guy who, I mean, he would have been up and down for about six years before they probably let him Gave go. Him a shot. Yeah, it's, I think um, with Nolan Jones, the lack of contact issues, I kind of overstated. it. Well, he has, he's a big guy with long arms and he has a high K rate. I, I don't think people take into account enough how often he's in a 3 2 count and how often 
people don't really take into account with guys like him that run high that run high walk rates because this is part of their approach at the plate. And I feel like there's also a bias against guys like Santana and, and Nolan Jones and Adam Dunn and Russell Brandon who who rely on the walking and the professional hitter trope and how that's mostly relegated to contact guys. I, there's no, there's no way anybody's gonna walk up to me, or I'm gonna talk about baseball with who, who isn't gonna consider Carlos Santana a, a professional hitter. And yeah. like I've, I've, I've watched Carlos Santana pretty much my whole half my life. He's, he, he was, he was there. He was, he was visible, and there's, uh, he's, he's probably one of my favorite players I've ever seen. Honestly, just just kind of based on my age and, and when I started getting the baseball and how often I saw him because he was there. Um, and he's one of the best first baseman the team has ever had, honestly. So. No, I agree. Yeah. Quick apology. I was trying to pull up a stat and I didn't realize that fan graphs does noise. So that was the background noise for anyone listening. Uh, <laughs> I didn't hear it. So. Okay. In case that popped up in the stream. That's, uh, you know, as I was listening to you, I was kind of wanted to, I was, like, oh, I'm just made me want to look up Carlos Santana like career stats and numbers. Uh, but I'm with you. He's one of those guys that this is in my lifetime. You know, I, I really didn't get into the Indians until like the late 80s, early 90s. I'm I'll be 40 this summer. But of that time period, it, he just stands out. He's one of those players. And you know, maybe I'm biased, but one of the things I've loved about him and like Carlos Carrasco is their love of the city. Like sometimes that doesn't always come through, but it's very clear like those two players really loved being a part of the organization and being a part of Cleveland. And it's weird with Carlos Santana where he's another one like Shaw that was not always appreciated as much as he should. And like fans, he's he's going to be top 10 in just about every offensive category by the time he leaves. And if he had had a full season last year, that would definitely be the case. And he also loved this city. Like why I, I I don't always get why he was not embraced more uh, during his run, especially because we can't keep players. So he got a second chance to return. So he had one of the longest Indians careers in recent memory. Absolutely. And for me, that's pretty much my whole memory. So same thing, him and Carlos Carrasco were, were kind of there when I started getting into baseball. So, and that was at the beginning of this decade. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it's, I always talk like about the last decade, I should say, because yeah. we're in the 2020s now. As, let's see, when I, I, like, I remember those trades and it's, it was, it's always interesting or funny, I should say more than interesting. But when all of those trades were presented, when they traded Casey Blake, Carlos Santana, like he was the main piece, but he was at first represented as the secondary piece. When they went out and traded CC Sabathia and got Michael Brantley, uh, he was the secondary piece in that deal. And when they went out and traded Cliff Lee and got Carlos Carrasco, he was the secondary piece. Anyone gets mad, like everyone gets mad. Uh, and I, you know, I still, I'm not the, the biggest fan of the Lindor trade because of the value I placed on Carrasco and because it's the secondary prospects. But when I look at all of these deals like Bauer, Lindor and um, Clevenger, I'm always like, remember, the Indians' best return has almost never been that primary piece in these deals that 
there's a reason they're trading for quantity over big name prospects because that's actually proven to be successful. It's like the, the, uh, for everyone out there who's preparing for the NFL draft, I understand Cleveland is first day football town. The draft is going to be there. So to put it in NFL draft parlance, uh, trading down is always the most successful way. Getting more shots, it's the same thing, getting more prospects. And that's exactly. what we see Absolutely. the Indians doing. And it's odd how often people, even people who like get paid to write about baseball will go very negative. I'm like, like the Clevenger deal to me was highway robbery. We oh, all, for sure. I mean, they got six players back in that Six deal. players for, my for one. Yeah, and Clevenger was... And Greg Allen. Yeah, and, and Allen got released. They could have had him back. I mean, he had he went to the Yankees. I don't know if he ended up staying there or not. Uh, and I, I, Greg Allen's a fantastic player. He's probably more of a quad A guy, but you love having him in your organization. Great guy. Yes. And, uh, but six guys. And Clevenger... A special place in my heart because my first like season in the minors was Mike Clevenger, Yandy Diaz, and seeing those guys kind of break out in front of your eyes. But we all knew that he was a ticking time bomb in terms of health. Like he just yeah, he had a myriad of injuries, all kind of unrelated, except and he had the ankle sprain, the partially torn meniscus, um, the t- the tear strain in his shoulder, and then he had Tommy John surgery when he was with the Angels. Yeah, to get six players for what would have been two and a half years is mind-boggling. And and it was very annoying when we traded Clevenger and all of a sudden people were calling him an ace. That was the most frustrating part of that deal for me because when on social media you had like Sports Illustrator writers saying that Padres just called an ace, they're going to go for it now. And it, it was very disingenuous because – while Clevenger has ace level stuff and he has had ace level stints of reduction, uh, ace is a there's probably maybe five or six aces in the baseball at one time or another, and they pitch 200 innings every single year. Clevenger's never had that availability. He also has time when his mechanics are out of whack where he can't find a strike zone amongst other things, and we've seen it before. Um, and with the trades, the the Indians have the front office is won a lot of trades over the years. And I feel like you don't get enough credit for that because of the stigma with them training their players. And also many individuals have a skewed perspective of the volume of the traders who played away because of their attachment to them, which is understandable, especially for casual fans because they're recognizable faces. But this organization got five players back for Trevor Bauer when he was only had up to that point around one year of above average production. That was the year he was in the Cy Young race until he took that line drive off his leg. So there we go. Part one of two and a half. So I'm going to keep it quick here as we're a little over 31 minutes. And we want to make sure we hit the right window for the show. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. Remember, you can find Pat at Tangible underscore Uno. And tune in tomorrow again for part two. Remember to rate and review, download daily. That stuff all really helps our show. I will very soon, next week, I will get into uh, the thank yous for people who are leaving reviews on iTunes. And for the next year, maybe two, go Tribe.